so um, creativity for me is uh, when you actually think about something or you use your imagination and then you use it to give it a form creativity you create something so it is essentially for me creation based on your imagination that's what you're doing whether it's a work of art whether it's a piece of music whether it's a book or a poem that's that's what you're doing you're creating so it is this ideation and formation of something new is you know it's not just limited to art or music i feel that it's it's a way of thinking it is um, you know it's not just something that you do at a particular time at a particular day uh, in fact uh, you know what i this this north indian world called jugaad you know <laughs> i think that is a prime example of creativity because you know you use your imagination you do a quick fix or what is today called a life hack you know so i think those are also creative things in themselves and uh, yes writing is a form of creativity definitely writing is a structured form of creativity where you are definitely creating something uh, very tangible out of your imagination and hence uh, for me also it is a very very fulfilling activity so for me writing is an inward journey and a lot of writing is about thinking about reflecting and um, for me it is a time where i am totally disconnected with the outside world it's me whatever is in my inner self and what is coming out as words whether it is on a paper or on the laptop so uh, for me that is the ultimate creativity it's a meditative exercise for me actually you know to you know to just sit down just to be you with your words so stories are something that i take very seriously stories for me are like you know they're like dynamite they're like power packed bits of emotion information everything packed together and they have a huge impact so stories are you know stories can bring people together while reminding us of our differences because they connect us at a very deep level so i think stories are how we build connections if you really look at it storytelling is a very very fundamental need we need to tell our stories right it's a fundamental human need to narrate our own narratives uh, it's the first step to being understood and i think that is something that all of us want right it's such a terrible feeling not to be understood so to be understood first you have to express you tell your own story and um i think that stories are also what uh broaden our horizons because uh that is the only way that we will be aware of other things other communities other people so for me uh stories are magic and uh, i don't think that there is any substitute to stories it doesn't matter in which form we are consuming stories uh, could be by storytelling it could be in folk songs it could be in music the important thing is that the story has to get out there and uh, you know that's how we will connect uh, with other human beings so that's what stories are for me
Hey everyone, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. I'm your host Sangeeta, aka the Moody Marshmallow. You just heard our guest for today, Shalini Malik. Shalini is a pulmonary pathologist and writer. During the day, she's managing her lab or working on complex biopsy reports. As a writer, she has published articles on Women's Web, Ishi Magazine, and the Himalayan Writing Retreat. She has also self-published a book called Stars from the Borderless Sea. Before we move into the conversation, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster Podcasting Made Easy. I've been podcasting for about 2 years now and I stumbled onto Zencaster while I was recording season 2 of the show. Though I only use the audio recording version, they have a video recording feature as well and you can now edit your episodes on the platform. If you're a podcaster looking for an all-in-one podcast workstation, then check out Zencaster. You'll find a special offer link in the description of this episode for which you'll get 30% off by using the code CLOSETWRITER. Now let's tune in to hear about Shalini's journey with writing, medicine and more. Hi everyone, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. This week I have with me Shalini Malik or Dr. Shalini Malik. I'm not sure if that's a more appropriate way to address you, but you know, thank you so much for being here. It's so good to have you here. Thank you, Sangeeta. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And yes, I mean that the way you said how to address, that's a challenge for me also because you know, uh, the doctor persona and the writing persona, uh, how to merge those has always been a question. But I think we'll go with just drop the doctor for the conversation. <laughs> Shalini Malik is good. Okay, Shalini Malik it is. Welcome to the show, Shalini. Um, so yeah, I think the first thing which I ask all my guests uh, on the show is, you know, what is your earliest memory of being creative? Okay, that's a very interesting question and I hope I don't disappoint you or the listeners by my answer because I've never thought of myself as a very creative person, you know. I don't have that romantic story to tell that I always wanted to, you know, tell stories and all that. But when you think about it and when I think about it, you ask me and I think back, I think my earliest memory of being creative is actually fixing things with my father repairing things uh, you know and I do feel that that is a creative uh, pursuit in its own uh, thing so he's the kind of person you know who always likes to fix things Uh, he will not throw things he would not even want to you know call someone to get them fixed so you know if something's broken like for example you know the battery of a clock is not connecting he'll put a teeny weeny foil bit and make it work so I think that is creativity as I knew it in myself. I was never a very, uh, you know, uh, person who uh, into arts or something. I did write a bit off and on in school. I think in school, all of us go through that creative writing classes. Beyond that, uh, my creative ex- journey really started very late in life, just about five years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, that's when, when I started writing. Uh, that is, you know, the creativity in the sense that people actually think about it. So there were a couple of poems, a couple of short pieces that I sent out to various uh, places. And that is my first memory, actually, about five years back. Okay. No, because it's interesting you mentioned that it was fixing things with your father, because that's still really cool, I think. And that is pretty creative in a sense that you're like trying to kind of put something back together, right? That is in a way a creative form of thinking of fixing something. So I think that's yeah, pretty I mean, cool. Yeah, I mean, using 
using your imagination and you're getting stuff done which is i think what we're doing in writing or painting or music uh, you know that's how traditionally the world views creativity so but you know like i said that i've never been that kind of a person i used to be bored in the art class at school and i never had that thing <laughs> so so that's my exposure to creativity if you will so in school like say with obviously that's where you first remember coming across writing in some sense like do you remember the first piece you ever wrote if you want to talk about maybe what you remember from school or like the first time you really you realized you really enjoyed writing up like do you remember the first thing you ever wrote in life i do actually it was you know one of those typical poems where every every line rhymes with the next one i actually wrote that i think for some relatives uh, anniversary or something so it was typical where bed is rhyming with ted and you know that kind of a thing and then everyone still tells you it's really nice because you are after a school kid uh but after that i did uh, you know write a bit for the school magazine uh, i did write a bit uh, for college magazines uh, not too much a little bit of poetry a little bit of essays uh, never really fiction uh, and those i did enjoy i enjoyed the process of writing them definitely okay okay wow that's great uh, but of course i mean writing aside uh you are a doctor you're a pulmonary pathologist if i got that right uh so that's quite a, a opposite sort of you know spec like it's completely opposite to writing in a sense that because i mean it is a much more serious profession in the sense that obviously it's more intense um academically i'm sure it must have been very vigorous and you know uh the profession itself you know how did you kind of decide to pursue medicine and you know what's that journey been like so uh, yeah the two things are very opposite not just in the ways that you mentioned but also because medicine as a career by definition has to have a lot of structure i cannot you know go about uh, using my creativity with patients ki today let's do this tomorrow <laughs> let's do that <laughs> that is not how it works uh, so um, and i think that that is also the answer to your question because i think that all of us have both of these aspects somewhat in us so when we're doing something as part of our profession uh, which is very structured or very regimented uh, we're not able to you know uh, give enough importance or nurture the other side of ourselves and i think that is how actually i started writing and i started enjoying it because you know it's a, it's a part of you which is hidden i think and i think all of us have it it's not like the people who are into something entirely creative are not structured so it's a balance and i think that writing uh, among other things it helped me find that balance um that said yes the two things do remain pole apart uh, poles apart and it is not very easy to reconcile both those parts of yourself uh, you know that also sometimes uh, gets challenging but uh, that is the way it is i uh, its medicine has been an absolutely uh, lovely journey how i got into medicine again uh, it was not something that i always wanted to do i actually both my parents are doctors and you know uh, there's a lot of pressure in our uh, society especially if your parents are doctors so i think when you're a teenager rebelling is natural you know so i sort of was like i'm not going to be a doctor because everyone thinks that i should be a doctor you know and i actually you know just went and i joined a normal 
graduation i did reasonably well in school and i joined a you know i delhi university was a great place to be it was when i did that then i realized that my heart wasn't in it i actually took a drop year at that time you know uh, to prepare for the entrance and there were people who would ask me ki pehle kyun nahi socha i i don't have the answer to that so it was my parents actually who said it's okay at least you know you thought of it now <laughs> rather than think as later i mean just go so then i realized that uh, and i think that that's very important because i realized that i'm doing this out of my own volition you know i chose to do it rather than be pressured by society or people so uh, medicine's been an absolutely lovely journey i have been very very lucky and very privileged i've trained at some of the best places in the country Uh, Lady Harding Medical College, Saint John's Medical College in Bangalore. I've worked there, so these kind of things, uh, places give you a whole different exposure. And it's not just that. I think that uh, working in medicine for anyone, there's a lot of you're engaging with a lot of people. So you know what you realize and you understand that everyone's worlds and everyone's stories are very different. you know not just a patient you know you see their family you see them interact with each other um once you grow older it is also a reminder of your privileges because uh, the kind of places that we train in we are exposed to all kinds of uh, socio economic strata so it's been a very very uh, i would say that i'm grateful for the journey and i enjoy my work i i enjoyed pathology i've worked at good places so uh, for me it is something which you know like lot of people uh, would you know give up a career to take up writing i love writing equally but i that's this has never been my thing because i, I can't imagine not being a doctor so i i i truly love everything that comes with being a medical uh, professional despite all the challenges so yeah no but that that's really cool and uh, like i said like i mentioned earlier you're a pulmonary pathologist so how do you kind of decide that you know that was what you wanted to do and can you explain what your role is essentially as a pulmonary pathologist of course of course so first of all is what does a pathologist do yeah okay. uh, you know i mean that's that's a very difficult question because you know <laughs> people tell me aap kis you know what are you a doctor of uh, the eyes the ears and i'm like uh the okay so a pathologist essentially studies all diseases we uh, we study blood we are the ones who uh, look at biopsies from the head to the toe and report on them so it's actually pretty sensitive work because most of our work is about uh, we deal with cancer and is it cancer is it not cancer and it's our report which is the basis for a lot of treatment also a lot of uh, unhappiness and sadness for a patient potentially so it is uh, it is the back end of what you see in a hospital but it is also the backbone of uh, medicine because we are essentially the one giving a diagnosis Uh, so there's a book by author Haley called The Final Diagnosis. It's about a pathologist. I mean, I don't for those of us who read it. So our job is how we give a diagnosis. I don't think anyone even cares. They it's like literally the bottom line. They want to read that, and because they put, they need to know what to do next. Coming to uh, how I decided to become a pulmonary pathologist is purely chance. I have worked in all areas of pathology. 
uh, I was working in St. John's Medical College uh, for a good five years or so. And there we were exposed to all kinds. So in medicine, you know, we have this... Um, like it's it's almost like a trend that you know you keep working on specialization specializations even if it's not a formal degree you know everyone keeps narrowing down your <laughs> so you know there's this joke in medicine that oh is that person a doctor of the right hand or the left hand <laughs> you know because things but then uh, that is needed because you know there is so much more information explosion happening so all of us trend to narrow down our areas of specialization so when i was in st john's i was at that phase of my career where i was i was going to select two or three potential uh, you know areas which i want to dedicate working in and around that time we i relocated to gurgaon because i am from delhi and we got this opportunity and i joined this hospital which is a purely respiratory hospital so um you know and it was a nice job and i had really never worked in this area again and so it was challenging and there are very few respiratory pathologists uh, you know so it was a it was a challenge i thought let me let me start and if i don't like it i'll look for something else uh, but i enjoyed it and so i basically uh, specialized by virtue of the kind of material that is sent to me i still do all types of pathology as in when it comes but we are catering to more and more patients of respiratory diseases so that's how it works so um, yeah it's been a i mean that also has been a very interesting part of the journey you know when you take up something which you never really thought about and you genuinely start liking it so oh. No, that's really cool. Because uh, when I read that, I was like, "Oh, like you know," because obviously, like you said, medicine has so much of specialization. Especially now, it's it's become more and more. So it's really interesting to kind of hear, right? Like what those specific roles are in the profession. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's really cool, and I I think it's amazing you had that kind of discipline and drive. I think first of all to be. Uh, and the passion also to be in the profession because it's not an like I have a lot of respect for anyone who can like study medicine and really like get like honestly no not for any other reason because I I do I I really think it is like they say it is a noble profession in the sense where you're truly dealing with life or death and it's it's a lot of like you need to keep yourself updated all the time there's something new happening so you know like. uh more power to you on that for sure uh but having said that you know obviously you know you 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 have this career going ahead and like you said to find that sense of balance so then how did writing really start for you since you said it only started like 5 years ago and you know when did you realize that it was something you wanted to pursue seriously as well yeah so um uh, i had uh you know i had been through you know i think there are phases in everyone's life so i'd been through a couple of lows on a personal level and i had started writing just for myself just to express just to put down that was journaling i won't even call that writing that was more of you know just journaling just venting uh, your feelings out and getting them out on paper uh but you know then i would go back and read those a couple of weeks later and i would try and you know sort of depersonalize them Uh, take myself out and uh, sort of fictionalize them in ways, and I started sharing them with friends, and that's when I realized that those words, you know, they are resonating at least with some people. And then these people who were friends, who were writers, they said you should write more. And um, it was also the time in my life when my children were growing up, 
they did not need me around all the time they're both teenagers and uh, at the same time i didn't want to be hands off <laughs> because they had just turned teenagers so i had that kind of time where you know at least in the evenings i was free and i would be uh, so i would just put my laptop try and put my thoughts together and uh, then i started sending out some of my short stories to different uh, online portals to magazines of course some got accepted some didn't uh, but it gave me a sense of direction and then like like every guest on your show will say then covid happened because like that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that's a watershed event point <laughs> yeah i'll like okay so then covid happened strangely enough i uh, i of course was the kind of person who was working throughout covid yeah exactly cuz i in your case it must have been very different <laughs> i i was very jealous of all the people who were staying home and making all those coffees and everything you know i was like okay but uh, having said that um one covid did give me some amount of extra time because my parenting duties were reduced like there were no schools i didn't have to wake up in the morning so i got that time more than that covid was very difficult on medical professionals i was not on the front lines i'm not going to you know pretend that i was in the icu i'm not an intensivist but um emotionally it was a very difficult time for all doctors because we were so close to it you know all those decisions and then coming home uh, you know the children would be worried when i would be going to work because they were seeing things on tv so it was a very stressful chaotic time for all of us and that's when i began to write that's when i realized that i'm finding some amount of peace in you know in all that chaos uh, i've always been very um, you know not type a i don't believe in that but i've always uh, been the kind of person who's always on the go who always has like plan a to c and checklists and um, i'm used to chaos but even i was not used to that level of chaos and because of the kind of person i've been i'm a total failure at meditation i mean uh, i i cannot even so writing was the closest that i came to that state where you know nothing else mattered uh, so for me i was writing at that time only for myself and but that's what you feel but you know what you're writing is of course you're you're reacting to the surroundings so um, and i that's when i started writing my book which is you know like it's a very soft unhurried romance uh, because you know i was craving that kind of a softness uh, uh, in life because everything around me was so harsh and so brutal and everything you know and it's it's not just the, it wasn't just the covid deaths and the patients that we were seeing within the medical fraternity there was a lot of unrest there was a lot of issues happening which you know uh, we only we know so this was my response to all that chaos and then of course you know when you find that you're enjoying something then the time to do it you know you find it somehow or the other so so that's how uh, the two you know sort of opposite kind of things came together in my life Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. So then um obviously you were finding like you said more time to do it because you were really enjoying it. 
but then when did you kind of and you were already sort of sending it out you said to a few like web portals and whatnot so then how did you decide to say start sending to journals and then you know take that decision to actually attempt publishing or uh, you know starts from the borderless sea how did that happen that again uh, you know that was sort of like the next logical step so starts from the borderless sea happened i was mostly writing short stories because you know i found them very uh, they gave a good sense of closure i mean you write one you finish one even if it's get rejected it's okay you write another one and i enjoyed uh, putting things together compactly but uh, the last story in starts from the borderless sea is how it started i started that as a short story but it had uh, it had too much of feelings to explore and it grew and then it became it just became this 20000 word what you call novella and i honestly didn't know and i was stuck i was stuck because i didn't have a short story i didn't no one's going to publish a novella for me i'm a, i'm a debut writer so um, then i started writing what is the first story now in the book because that was another story that came to me sort of naturally i i have been i'm a little old fashioned i like letters so that the format i took from there and i that story flew you know then then i realized that i have to what i think are good stories uh, but again you know uh, you from publishing so a book has to have certain uh, criteria <laughs> so <Yeah>. then i <laughs> and that's when i thought about what do i want this book to be about and um, so the answer was that i want this book to be about love i wanted to have the flavor of relationships i don't want it to be a happily ever after book because i've lived enough years and decades on this earth and i know that happily ever after does not happen for everybody and i crafted the third story to make a book along this theme and so then once you know you have a book you do want to see if people would publish it and then you send it out and then you realize that people are not wanting to publish it <laughs> that's that is i think the story of every writer but i had the book i kept sending it out uh, you know i mean that is a journey in itself um i uh, used whatever rejections came whatever feedback came and i think that is part and parcel of being a writer you have to keep sending your stuff out and you have to keep writing so while i was sending this out i continued writing other pieces i actually wrote a lot of non fiction uh, you know because uh, i was finding it easy to write pieces which blended the knowledge of my medicine in uh, you know gave it in an easier format so i did non fiction i enjoyed that process and then uh, finally this happened you know so uh, that that's how i actually so i've actually gone from writing 100 word drabbles to novella <laughs> it's like a step by step thing and uh, that's how it happened yeah but obviously i mean when you were sending your pitch out right like when you were pitching the manuscript um like what were things like you learned maybe while doing it because obviously this is something a lot of writers face right while pitching a manuscript to publishers like there are lots of issues sometimes it'll work something is not working and you kind of sometimes hit a wall and you're like why is it not working <laughs> so you're like so what do you think worked for you 
or what were issues you faced and you were like okay this is maybe how i can resolve it or just generally what were problems you faced while pitching i think uh, the first problem that i faced specifically me was um i think i mean of course being a debut writer without any background in writing without any uh, degree or mfa or something like that i felt disadvantaged now i know that most people actually most debut writers are actually coming from there uh, right uh, so one was that the second was the genre that i was writing in uh see and plus uh, i mean of course you know better than me the slump in the entire publishing industry because of covid yeah everyone yeah, yeah. was writing a book and all the publishers were behind their timeline so i think it was the worst time to be out there with a book then to be out there with a book on romance which did not have erotica in it which actually had a mature protagonists which was on top of that a combination of novellas like like i said either you have short stories or you have novels so i got this very uh, you know very explicitly nicely written uh, rejection from a very well known agent saying that she actually liked the manuscript but she can't place it because of the format uh, she told me that you know she's ready to sign me on but she cannot guarantee placing it uh, you know for more up to 2 years so i understand uh, now i understand the limitations of the publishing industry frankly speaking i mean i would not publish my own book given the you know like if i tell you that hey this is a collection of three novellas and it's romance so for me the problem was the genre and the format uh, honestly and i was told very clearly that people are not reading books are not selling which again is not it's true right uh, so publishers uh, i think and this is something very important any writer i think uh, needs to understand uh, how publishing works uh, you know because we are very quick to say everyone just rejects no one reads the slush pile i don't think that's true because i was an unagented author i submitted uh, following everyone's uh, instructions on the website yes there are all kinds of people but that is true for all professions right that is true uh, you know <laughs> and i think that uh, once you begin to understand how the publishing chain works you know what does a publisher do what does an editor do what does a distributor do that's also very important that's that's when you actually understand that it's not a system that is vindictive towards the author you know it it is a system that guess you feel really bad about but it's not meant to be that way you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> so uh and ultimately uh, everyone does have to work together right uh i mean you know so so it's like a puzzle which you know starts fitting in very gradually for me the main problems as i said was the genre and the um, format uh, i really uh, i was i was ready to self publish honestly because i knew that uh, with this genre with this format very few people will take me on but i am very grateful to my publisher that they did not pressurize me to change that so you know uh, because sometimes that happens people say the writing's good why don't you make this a whole book uh, that didn't happen so at least you know it came out in the way that i wanted it to so those were my challenges no but i i think it's uh, it's great that you got that opportunity right to be traditionally published but yeah self publishing has become uh, an option now so many more people are going into it take it and there's 
and there is genuinely good work coming out of self publishing as well today for sure it's not like um of course i mean there's still a large section which is vanity publishing essentially that which is very different from uh, self publishing in that sense um but yeah i think it's becoming a more accepted uh, avenue absolutely of getting your books out there um, are no authors who are choosing to self publish after being traditionally published so either i mean if if you let me there's one more thing i want to say here the that's for the authors to understand there are a lot of authors writing who don't know the difference between self publishing and vanity publishing yes that's you true. know we need to understand what it is that we want to do to get our story out there uh you know uh, so i think spending some amount of time just like i'm sure that when you work with authors you know uh you tell them it's equally important for you to uh you know how to send out submissions we need to spend some time on that but i think it's equally important to keep aside some time to understand like i said what are the differences between self uh, vanity slash hybrid and traditional So like you said I'm I'm happy that self publishing is being accepted I have I have really prolific uh, writer friends who are choosing to self publish and they're putting out good work there yeah no cuz i recently uh, interviewed and her episode i think will be uh, yeah will will be out by the time yours comes out her name's also shalini uh, that's shalini vinith oh, so she's a she, friend oh you know her? okay great yeah so she yeah. self of course lost edges so i just recently I recently interviewed her and I was talking to her about self publishing and she was saying you know she was like man it's hard that's the work I know work you have to put in and she was talking about you know I have so much more respect for publishers now because I know the process they go through and she she's put in she's worked so hard and uh, and she's she's a good really good friend you know when we keep pinging each other just just yesterday I pinged her my blurb because my second book will be out soon and i had to send the blurb to my publisher so just yesterday morning i was like just take a look at this so we are really good friends and yeah yeah so and that is, and that is one really good book that has come out of self publishing so you know yeah yeah and she said she's uh, i think getting signed on to a traditional publisher and she has another book coming out so she's like i'm so glad to just give it to someone else who can do it now <laughs> cuz yeah but i think self publishing is interesting in terms of i think it gives you an overview of how the entire process works which is is not uh, as easy as people because i always get you know writers now who come up to me you know to talk to me about publishing and you know and i feel so bad being like this bad cop there in that situation because they're like i want my book out in like the next 3 months and i'm like that's not going to happen <laughs> you better be a little patient cuz it takes time but um yeah no more power to you and you know a lot of other writers who i think have the option now like you said like uh you know for self publishing because it is becoming more accepted you know that stigma is reducing now uh, towards self publishing because there is quality work coming out and there are cases where you know a book is self published if it's doing well sometimes a traditional publisher will kind of pick it up and sort of distribute or, and do whatever so you know it, it's great it's just more opportunities for more voices so all for it um but yeah having said that do you have like um a writing routine because obviously um you already have like a full time you know like a day job so then how do you kind of carve out that time to write do you have a routine or is it like very spontaneous is it very like I, no i'll do it only when i feel like it or do you really like carve out the time like every day or once a week or how is it no i definitely have a routine and uh, i'm pretty harsh on myself 
uh, most of the time. So my writing routine is I've always been a morning person. So uh, I generally tend to wake up in the morning and give myself some writing time, which obviously depends on other commitments. Sometimes I even carry work home. So it depends on, uh, you know, household commitments like school vacations or not work. But I try and give it 45 minutes to an hour every day, at least. And there are days when it doesn't happen. Uh, as long as those days are not too frequent, I don't stress it. I'm uh, good with it. I'm mostly consistent, mostly regular with it. Weekends, I give it more time. Um, Sundays are like I'll get in three, four hours because I generally wake up at the same time and the rest of the house is sleeping. And all. So, yes, I have. Uh, and I think that I don't think any author can just let it be. Key. I'll do it when I feel like it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think so. I think uh, you will agree that it's just more of, you know, getting up, showing up and, you know, start uh, typing something. Uh, and of course, there are good days and there are bad days and there are days when you won't write anything. But it's it, that's how it works, right? Uh, uh, I think having a routine is essential because uh, what happens is that once you start carving out that time, uh, others also respect that time. You know, so that's very important. If you sort of put it like as the last priority, then uh, obviously no one else is going to take, uh, give you that uh, margin of time. So like now everyone at home knows that on a Sunday, you should probably, you know, till 10 or till 9 or 10 in the morning. And so it's okay. So yeah, I think routines are very important. No, no, that's amazing. So then like when you write, so in the morning, then say on weekdays, like about an hour or something, is that how yeah, much time? Yeah, you... About 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Uh, because then I have to, you know, uh, do the morning chores and then leave for work. So that's actually the switching is sometimes difficult because sometimes, you know, you only got into the mood half an hour into the thing, but morning's not going to wait and the school bus is not going to wait and <laughs> lunch has to be packed and you so that is a little difficult uh, but you get used to it then I just jot down the points and you know try and come back to it later in the evening because I've learned that evenings are unpredictable sometimes I'll be tired from work sometimes there'll be something happening so I try and get that done in the morning yeah and like again do you sort of um is it like so when you're sitting down and writing do you already know what you're going to work on or is it like um, you just kind of write like with a stream of consciousness, like how Julia Cameron suggests with morning pages, right? You wake up and, you know, the first thing you do when you wake up is like just write like two pages and you just write, write, write without really like putting too much thought into it. Even if you're writing the same thing again and again till something hits you and you do that for like once you're done with those two, three pages. So how does it work for you? It's not to it like this, but no, I actually have decided at night what I'm going to write. Sometimes I have a post-it next to my laptop, uh, you know, because I can't waste 45, you know, that is okay if I'm journaling. But if I'm actually working on a manuscript, I actually need to get something done in that manuscript. So I'll have a scene or a person or, uh, you know, something like that. So I'll have it in my head. Or like I said, sometimes I even put a post-it so that, you know, while I'm making my chai, I know, okay, now I have to think about <laughs> this and this person or this and this. So no, I usually know what I'm going to write. Unless if I've been in a, you know, if I've been in a slump and it's not happening, then I sometimes let myself go. But mostly I'm very clear about uh, what I want to get done. <laughs> okay. So, you know, like, okay, I want to work on this story today. Maybe I'll do poetry today or like, 
like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. pre-decide totally i okay. i have it pre-decided for the day for the week and i i love calendars and <laughs> no love that's planning. great no no i'm huge on to-do lists as well i love planning my week too so i i completely resonate i'm perfectly fine if i keep changing the plan i think just the activity of doing that i think that's also creative in a way you know <laughs> So no oh so my I'm, favorite part in a day is like checking off a to-do list honestly I don't check off I make if I have not done I transfer it to the next day yeah <laughs> I'm very oh, that <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, I I am uh, I, I do decide usually one day in advance what I'm going to write it's usually a continuity you know over a week or so but uh, stream of consciousness I don't honestly I don't have that time because this is my only writing time then how will i get the rest of the work out yeah no but like say obviously you know you're done with whatever drafts you're working on and then you're like oh i want to come up with something fresh like sometimes yeah. sometimes but when i do that that is more of a like that's always on pen and paper uh and that is in a different mode uh, i don't do that often no okay Okay fair. So then how do you obviously you know you like I said with medicine and writing since you're pursuing it seriously and okay you have the routine carved out you know but then do you ever and obviously like you said covid was a very intense period for you as a medical professional and writing obviously became like this outlet for you right to process things and it like it gave you some amount of peace. So then obviously now when things have kind of gone back there is a sense of normalcy in some sense that has returned. uh things are more or less now getting back to how they were um then how do you kind of balance the two things cuz life is now kind of now it's not what it used to be and writing essentially now has also become like a job for you i would assume so do you face like burnout with your job or even like creatively with writing and how do you kind of deal with that if you do absolutely in fact uh, i was overwhelmed when life went back to normal i was almost in tears you know what happened to all those people who were saying ki the life of minimalism and all that i was like <laughs> come back i need you you know <laughs> what happened <laughs> so because all my writing time had been taken away and that was, there was a rebound thing see for one to two years everyone was just talking about covid so a lot of other stuff you know had been at the back end uh which we needed to catch up uh you know whether it's upgrading your lab buying machines those kind of things so for me i was like what happened here i am wanting to be a writer and you took away all my time so yeah that was a whole new learning curve and i'm still struggling with it i'll, I'll be very honest it's not easy uh you know uh but um like i said there are times to go easy on yourself also Uh, and i figured that that is so when you talk about burnout um, i think it's very important to remember that burnout is not just physical yeah yeah or mental it's also emotional you know it's when you're feeling um, cornered or boxed in and you're feeling that nothing you do is enough so uh, you know and that's i think that a lot of people uh, miss this uh, aspect because you know they'll say take time off or they'll say that you know uh, decompress your schedule which of course you need to do but i think you also need to sit back and uh, you know see in your list is there anything which does not align with my my core values is there anything which is draining me and 
the answer to that will be that you'll find some things which are draining you, but most things you have to or you want to do. I I told you I want to work. It's not like I'm being compelled to work. I mean, of course, the money aspect is there, but I also enjoy my work. My family, I cannot give up on, right? They are a core commitment. So then you have to see how best can you, you know, balance everything and see if you can delegate something. The question that I ask myself is, what happens if I stop doing this? So the answer is, if I stop looking after the family, obviously the kids will starve and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I cannot have that happening. But yeah, I mean, what happens if I don't watch television, you know? Uh, I cut back on a few things. It's okay. And the other thing which I learned, or I'm still learning, is that uh, when you're overwhelmed and when you're in that sort of infinite loop, you know, where you're beginning to resent your own schedule, your own job. I think meeting and engaging with people who nourish you is very important. Uh, So, uh, I mean, I actually did that in December itself. You know, it had been a very uh, intense year and a very busy time. So I just met old friends, you know, I, I carved out time. I gave up writing time. I have to give up something, right? I think that that is how you sort of recalibrate your life, you know, uh, because you're already, our lives are so packed. All of us are doing stuff that we can't really cut back on. We have so many responsibilities and we want to do them. Like I said, if someone's looking after their parents, they want to do it. At the same time, they can be burnt out while doing it, right? So we can't just say, Ki, you know, stop doing this. It's so So that's what I try and do. And, you know, uh, I feel that um, burnout is a part of every creative person's, uh, you know, there'll be times when you feel nothing's happening. And maybe at those times, stream of consciousness helps uh, connecting with other writer friends, take a prompt, uh, you know, pick up one of those small little short story things, write for them. Uh, Those kind of things do help because, See, deep down, all of us are very insecure. You know, when we can't put out words for a week or two weeks, we start thinking, oh my God, have I lost it? (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Will I not be able to write? Uh, So, you know, it sort of reassures us, no, no, the words are there. They'll come out, (laughs) you know. So that's that's the kind of stuff that I uh, try and do, you know, when I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, for sure. Yeah, because uh, it's interesting you said this because, I mean, another person I remember talking to way back in season one uh, was Laksh Datta, who runs Launchora. And he obviously he's like his profession is with writing and podcasting and obviously and he works on like multiple projects. And I was asking him, like, how do you deal with burnout? Because to be creative 24 seven is is really tough. You can't like and he was very honest and he said, listen, I don't write every day and that's the truth. He's like, there are days when I can't and I'm, he's like, I love myself. I'm easy on myself when I have to be. He's like, you know, then when I know like, like, okay, I'll write and it'll happen. And if it's not happening, he's like, I'm consuming stories in some form. I may be watching something, reading something that also kind of helps me. Yeah. So, so I read a lot. I read a lot. I, I uh, that time. So you you write about that because you know. Again, I think it's about nourishing yourself. Uh, you know, and uh, for most of us, reading does nourish us. You know, so I I do. I also read a lot in that time. Yeah. yeah. Reading is nourishing when you're not an editor. <laughs> that's the that's the other part of it. 
it. Actually, I really admire editors, you know, because you need to be so into a manuscript, yet you need to be detached from it, you know, because uh, it's not an easy job. <laughs> so... Yeah, no, no, for sure. I I feel like this is something I even tell writers like who want to get published and all. The one thing I say is, you know what? Why don't you actually take up like an editorial thing, even if it's like a volunteer thing somewhere in some magazine, whatever, just to, for the experience of it? Because I think doing that also gives you the sort of insight as a writer in terms of okay, these are things I should avoid doing because this is what I know will make it easier for the editor also to understand what I'm trying to say. I think that really That's helps. True. That really helps. Uh, that does, you know. That's where that's a very good tip, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Because when I started editorial, and I was like, "Wow, now I know what not to do." When I'm like, if I'm ever sending out pieces, because I can really like, and obviously now because I work in the industry, I can really empathize with editors, with you know what they go through. No, I. That's why I say I say every writer should at least edit once or twice in their life just to understand, you know, what that is. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Yeah. like I'm sure Charlie will uh, Charlie Vineet will also kind of uh, like yeah, yeah. She's, I mean she uh, you know she looks after the whole magazine so she yeah, yeah. Life, you know? and uh, she told me once she said you know what I used to feel bad when I used to get a rejection she says now I know how <laughs> so you know it's not just editing it's also she said the first time I had to type someone you know, rejecting a mail someone you know had to send that mail I was very upset so so yeah, I think that's that's very true. We need to really understand uh, where everyone's coming from. Coming from, yeah. And and I think that when that happens, it shows in the book, you know. Uh, so that's very important. Getting that, uh, you know, everyone in sync with each other is very very important. Uh, yeah. So uh, no, you mentioned that obviously, you know, you read a lot, and that's something I did want to come to. Um, so have you been reading like since childhood or is that again something that happened recently for you? Oh, no, no, no. no. I have been reading since I was a child. I mean, I've grown up, you know, books were like everywhere. Birthday gifts are books, return gifts are books, you know. <laughs> so you, uh, so I've, I've been lucky. Uh, my maternal grandmother, well, she was a Hindi teacher. She also wrote books. She was a, a very literary person in the Hindi uh, world. Uh, my mom still reads Hindi, English, Bengali, all of them, uh, you know. So um, my dad has written books, but, you know, he's written uh, textbooks. So, but books have been part of our life in every which way, uh, you know. So I've always read a lot. Uh, but, you know, with time, what you're reading and your reading preferences obviously keep changing. I still read a lot. I, I don't do any of the challenges and I don't do any of the counts. I tried once I failed miserably but I I read as much as one to two books a week sometimes which is uh, good uh, given the, the amount of time that I get so um, one uh, I read a lot of non-fiction I actually was not I was reading hardly any fiction for very long I was reading uh, non-fiction everything biographies narrative non-fiction whatever and when I read fiction, I read I read all genres except for horror. Horror just scares the life. I can't read it. I mean, I'm just so petrified before starting the book. And um, <laughs> so, uh, so I've always read. And then when my kids were born, you know, reading to them, I rediscovered a lot of other books. 
I rediscovered some books from my own childhood, and now there's so much more for kids. So I enjoyed reading that also. I I, I read Harry Potter with after my kids did because I just never experienced it and I loved it. So uh, I read everything. I I'll read a architecture magazine. I will read Inside Out. I will I'll read anything. Yeah. <laughs> No that's amazing so then like would you say and obviously this is a debate with like everyone like do you know do you think it's important to be a reader to be a writer I I don't know why you're calling it a debate I'm sorry but there's only one <laughs> it is, no because you will be surprised with the number of people who are like no I mean like anyone can write without reading like there is that debate also so I was just like it's a very subjective I, thing <laughs> I would be very skeptical of someone who's writing without reading. <laughs> I mean, you're the editor; you read more submissions than me, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's essential to be a reader. Um, uh, I think it's essential to be a reader. Full stop. Whether you're a writer, <laughs> you know, being a writer is an option, but being a reader is not an option. <laughs> uh okay so so there are two things that i really want to say here one is that given the times we live in and the kind of social media uh, whatsapp universities and everything it's especially more important to be a reader because that is the only place where you will develop your own critical analysis uh, you know there is no other otherwise you are just consuming someone else's opinion even in reading you are but that is the first step to making your own um so i think it's very important to read um you know and i think that that is something which is important for the whole publishing industry to understand that even if people read in a different way i mean i don't know just get them to read i don't know how you do it <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> and the second thing uh, for a writer it's doubly essential uh it's it's like each book is a mini writing class i mean you know if you really look at it uh so you read one it ex- increases your scope simply it i mean it gives you a entire different exposure and then uh you learn so much about the craft of writing yes yeah. just by reading any book uh you know things which like i said i mean the last time i studied english was in 12th grade and i was a science student so you i mean you know how much importance i would have given to the subject right so to come back to understand pov to understand voice uh you know you do it at a subconscious uh, level uh, and then when people talk about all this when you attend an online session or you try and learn writing and then you read a book with that perspective these things just get you know you learn more so i think it is absolutely essential and uh reading non fiction i think that is your subconscious research like i said i mean if i'm writing about just just to make my scene relatable if i'm writing about say chennai if i've never if i've never read anything about chennai i'm going to start with right there was a snowfall <laughs> so yeah. so at a very subconscious level that reading affects everything that you are writing right otherwise you'll waste your time going and googling is does chennai have a snowfall i mean you know so i think uh, that it's for me it's a no brainer you know you just read and you read and you read yeah no because i think obviously the other thing is with books now i i think books are competing with so many other formats of storytelling right be it with your web shows movies 
again audio audio shows so it's there's like this sudden variety that's come up for people but i i think you know i mean obviously even i, I think i'm biased in the sense because i love books and i think there's just something that books have and can do to you in terms of obviously i think also just reducing your screen time <laughs> that also is a definite like big one for me um but yeah i think there's just something very if you're like a hardcore reader you'll understand what i'm saying like you cannot replace a good old physical book with a tablet Actually, like completely agree completely agree and i think it's strange that people don't read because you know we we are as a society we we study so much i mean there's so much emphasis on studying in school so reading you should be used to reading right you're reading textbooks it should be the next step i don't know why they stop so suddenly after school or college and you know i have people telling me i used to read a lot in college and i stopped so i was like where did you stop you know you <laughs> no but i was one of those people i also did stop in between i actually got back into reading because of the pandemic <laughs> because i was at home and i still had a huge pile of unread books that's how i kind of got back honestly so yeah and i actually do take up the reading challenge because i think it helps me to kind of stay on track like for me it helps yeah, obviously it's different yeah i think anything that increases your reading output is good uh, i was just the kind of person who was too lazy to go and mark even i was like i'll keep pick up the next book in the meanwhile <laughs> so anything that increases whatever you're reading is good <laughs> and i became even more like i gamified it further for myself in the sense like you know what i will use social media to keep myself accountable so i will post a like the book once i'm like done reading so it's like a thing for it's like an archive for me also on my story saying that okay done no well, that's good that's good yeah that's that's a very good thing <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm really trying well, i obviously in the industry I, mean, i have to read i don't really have an option so and you get trained to also uh, in that sense um but yeah like having said that uh, you know obviously you know you're reading so much uh, and what not but then you know who are the writers or stories that have really impacted um and influenced you since childhood or just generally in life the stories and writers that have really stuck with you throughout and you're like wow you know i wish i could write like that or there was just something about it that you know you couldn't like get out for me it's little women out i always mention on the show i i love that book that's like it's like something i always keep going back to so you know what were those books and writers for you or even like movies or tv shows or anything yeah so um so the thing is that that keeps changing it's very difficult for me to you know pick one or two but on the whole uh, on the whole uh, i don't watch a lot of tv i'm a total uh, uh, i i love soppy romances when i'm watching movies and tv you know give them to me with my popcorn i'm good uh, when it comes to books uh, of course there are a lot of people uh, i mean love stories one book which i can just read and keep reading you know like on a daily basis probably uh more than that uh, there are non fiction books which i really love uh, there is a writer called atul gavande i don't know if you've uh, heard of him he's written he writes about uh, medicine but it is uh, you know it's narrative non fiction so he's written about four, four or five books and he writes articles and columns uh, for publications in the us when breath becomes air was a book which i keep gifting everybody uh i i mean i i have these standard uh, um books uh, uh you know but beyond that i i enjoy reading books which are honestly um rooted in 
reality i would like biographies uh, whether it's michelle obama's uh, even i'll read everyone's biography um i i loved uh, the shoe dog so i i mean those are the kind of stuff that i really like when it comes to movies and ott i also don't have any one single thing which has influenced me uh podcasts is something that i started listening to now on the way to work and i realized that i enjoy them and there are a, there are a couple that i've really liked i actually haven't been exposed to too many podcasts uh, but you know uh, so one of them is uh, the swaddle has one called respectfully yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a good one that's a good one i really enjoy that one i enjoy one called story jam which is by a friend of mine um, she's a fellow i mean she doesn't write much uh, but you know uh she tells stories in hindi and urdu um it's a, it's a hindi uh, podcast and i'm not uh, i'm not very good at reading hindi or writing hindi but i love listening to the stories because i have a total old world charm she'll take up munshi premchand stories and those kind of things so i really love that and uh, the scene and the unseen is another nice one <laughs> so now these Which are like what eight I- hours long <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i just take it from anywhere in between <laughs> you know because i know i'll never finish and um uh, humans of new york these are the kind of you know because i like bite sized things which touch you and sort of you know i i like the kind of stuff which will just touch you uh, touch your soul and make a connection with you so that is the kind of thing that i like to read yeah no that's that's really cool uh, i always love asking this question because there's some really cool recommendations that always uh, come up which i put down in the show notes uh, and i always go back and refer and will pick up stuff so thank you for sharing that uh, some really cool recommendations for sure um but yeah i mean you know coming back to the whole medicine writing conversation is there anything you think you've learned from medicine which you apply to writing or vice versa like from writing which you apply something you've learned from writing which you also apply in medicine is there anything like that Yeah, so from medicine, uh, absolutely the rigor. <laughs> absolutely the rigor. The wake waking up in the morning is exactly how I used to study in college throughout our post grad days, and the discipline. I mean, you know, when you have to do something, you have to do it because it just becomes a part of you. It doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter whether later on you're doing a very busy job or a not so busy job. in those formative years you know from 17 to 27 you've just been pushed so much that you used to pushing yourself you know your baseline just becomes a little different so definitely that i mean that has helped hugely also one thing that people don't really realize is that medicine is a lot of language uh, we've read a lot and uh, the words are pretty complex and you know what i mean so i think somewhere uh, you know that helps and i do know because i know that people who were not that good with language did struggle more uh, because all the textbooks are uh, you know in english and in sometimes in difficult english because most of the textbooks are not written by indian authors at least now they are starting to be written so uh, you know there is something in common and um, also um, um i mean in the initial days the the pathetically low amount of money you make in both <laughs> is similar <laughs> wow. i mean medicine i don't think it be as bad as uh, as uh, this is publishing but yeah <laughs> yeah it's a close call 
So you get used to it, you know. You're like, okay. Other people will keep saying, oh, you don't get money. And we'll be like, oh, it's okay. We're used to that. Let's talk about something else. Uh, so I mean, that was on a light note. Um, I think medicine, as I said, gives you a window into a lot of stories. Um, each person is a story, and I don't mean their disease. I mean the person. Uh, you know. Uh, so I think that um, I and I, I know that doctors are thought of. in a different way but medicine is the way to empathy in uh, it can be i it has been for me it is a huge learning um, as i said and uh, like i said it exposes you to a lot of situations a lot of different kind of people uh, each of whom is carrying many many stories um, you know so i think that's that's very important uh, that window from writing to medicine again i think the link is empathy uh, you know um, because once you get used to as a writer you get used to looking for stories you maybe start seeing stories you weren't seeing earlier you know uh, like for me uh, my work is on the microscope i don't see a lot of physical patients every day right uh, but it is a reminder and it's a very humbling reminder that behind each of those glass slides which i put under the microscope you know those 2 inches of glass there is a patient and the patient has a family and so it's a very sobering a very humbling kind of an experience uh, i'm not saying that those who are not writers don't have it but it just uh, you know sort of increases your sensitivity to a situation and uh, which is always good uh, right so uh, yeah i mean these are the things you know where there is a crossover and in medicine also you know i mean in pathology we actually write very long reports sometimes and it uh, so in fact that, that is that's how i used to you know tell ki yeah, i've been writing i've been writing biopsy reports for a long time and now i'm writing fiction you know so uh, yeah there are always similarities mm-hmm. but you also write a lot of non fiction uh, in terms of like the articles you contribute and in fact like cuz i was reading some of your stuff and especially you write a lot about um women's identity and women's health right uh, which i think is really cool and also about uh, lgbtqi plus uh, issues as well so how was that something you consciously also decided that you wanted to kind of get into that sort of non fiction space um also just more journalistic in a sense is that something yeah, that so i i started writing about women's identity in fact it's a retrospective learning why i did that i realized that i've trained in you know a college which which had only women uh, medical students really hardly and you know um, then even in if you look among the specialties of medicine there are gender skews pathology is a f- predominantly female oriented branch you will know many you'll know a lot of um this is something that i hope to write about in great detail one day you know i'm already researching it so you if i ask you of hand that sangeeta do you know a woman pediatrician and you'll be like yeah of course i mean and then if i ask you do you know a woman neurosurgeon and you'll be like nah, no so so medicine has its own uh, genderization issues and pathology is a very heavily female dominated uh, specialty mostly because we don't have to do too many emergencies and all that so i realized that i worked in women dominated spaces not exclusively women spaces but women dominated spaces and that gives me a sort of a window into some aspects of uh, women's life women's profession and i started writing about that 
and um, for the as far as the journalistic part goes i was already writing scientific papers case reports academic papers so once i started writing that uh, in fact i i wrote a piece on women in india and their mental health which was touched very well so that's when i realized that this is the kind of thing like even the gender skew i talked to you about it so casually we know it but it needs to come out you know people don't see it that way because they never been presented with this aspect so um, so now it's actually a very conscious effort that i want to do to get into more and more of that space um, and write more bring up those issues lgbtq is i feel just an extent of feminism you know where you're treating everyone equal i was made aware by my kids by my nephews who are in that age group and frankly this generation sees things so nicely and so equally you know they're much more accepting so you know i was i was unaware as because we not heard these things when we were growing up but they made me aware and they so i just and like i said it is just an expression an extension of when we say feminism or humanism it's just one part and parcel of that so i started writing about those also and and i realized that um i can you know i can put it across in a slightly fictionalized way or in a in a way which is palatable uh, if you support your points like if i tell you percentages of obstetricians and pediatricians and neurosurgeons it is a stronger work in itself so i so that's why i want to you know i really want to pursue that area of writing also well, more power to you and hope to see a non fiction book by you soon uh, as well uh, traditionally published <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed yes. for everything that we yeah. want to publish yes yes i always tell my guests manifest whatever you want on the show because you never know and you know touchwood things have actually worked for a lot of my guests so like i'm like please please come here and put out whatever you want into the universe uh but no i mean it's it's really cool you know the fact that you're kind of experimenting with your writing in that sense you're really I think you're not because I think some writers are also very clear that you know this is the only thing I'll write about or this is I'll only write fiction I won't write non-fiction I only want to do non-fiction I only want to do this format of writing so it's really cool that you're kind of experimenting and you know sort of pushing the bar for yourself in different ways which which is really nice um but yeah having said that have you faced any sort of misconceptions or assumptions or you know with you know your profession uh, as a pathologist or even just you know after having entered you know writing professionally also have you faced any kind of sort of assumptions i think all of us do right i mean there are more assumptions and more stereotypes uh, out there about everybody than we can probably count and yeah as doctors we the first is again that you must be making tons of money <laughs> again as a writer also people tell you that yeah 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 uh, isn't it yeah, yeah. so like said uh, everyone has unless uh, you're durjoy datta or chetan bhagat or ravinder bhagal or someone you're not making that kind of money usually <laughs> and then when you tell people you're not they'll ask you then why are you writing and i'm like i'm not answering that one understand <laughs> <laughs> so i think that uh, mostly um, all of us face these stereotypes i i have um, not got too many of them um, i mean no no one's really come 
back to me and directly said these things but as a doctor um, as a pathologist uh, yeah again because we are at the back end so sometimes people are like that oh you don't do any work it's all your machines and it's all your fancy gadgets and and it's okay to each their own they can keep believing whatever they want as long as you know uh the value in what you're doing i'm okay with that and when it comes to writing again people have this thing that you're doing it too because you want some you want to become famous i mean give me a break right there are i mean i don't have to get up at 5 in the morning just to become famous it's just something that i want to do and uh what i also get uh, from a lot of people is that uh, oh you would be very busy and that's why uh, you know we don't uh, catch up often and my answer to that is that i'm as busy as the next person all of us have the same amount of time and if you really would want to catch up with me i'm sure we would find a mutually comfortable time so um, not really uh, when it came to writing um, yes the first thing was oh that i mean this is another covid fly by night uh, writer and i don't blame uh, people for that because there there were enough of those people um one thing honestly speaking it was subtle but i could feel it uh, most debut authors are in their 20s or maximum in their 30s uh, usually um, you know so i started writing when i was about uh, 43 okay five years <laughs> and i got that uh, there was a f- general feeling of uncomfortableness you know they didn't know where to put me like i said uh, and again i don't blame them because you know uh, there is a certain uh, uh, shelf life or whatever you want to call it but i i was just me so then people asked me acha you always must have wanted to be a writer and you became a doctor by mistake i was like no no there are no mistakes here i'm just me let's just stick to me so that um, some amount of ageism i did get uh, especially from legends uh, because i felt that they want to you know they want to be sure that the person's here for the long run and uh, the person's going to assure them that they want to write more after this and all that uh, so i feel that that profile sort of wasn't working in the whole uh, you know publishing ecosystem for me but other than that not really hmm. okay i mean wow. if they were i just kept doing my thing maybe <laughs> no but i mean um since you like uh, brought up the age thing again like I want to ref- reference another guest I interviewed again on season one. Her name is Raja Rajeshwari Mahita. Uh, so she does a lot of like mythology uh, oriented stories. Uh, she runs a page called uh, Stories and Magic and, you know, very beautifully done. And, you know, so I interviewed her and she was and she also like she acts and she does a lot of other things. and uh, she was saying like how she kind of found her passion with obviously storytelling and whatnot. uh i think after like age 50 that's when she really found her calling so i i don't think it's like you said i really don't think there's an age to really do anything if there's something you want to do and it's making you happy and you want to give it that you know honest chance and go for it i mean just go for it doesn't matter what age you are just give yourself that shot uh it's Absolutely. like life is too short to you know be hung up on these kind of things and i honestly i mean i'm Uh, this is not a boast or something but i honestly feel that those years of my life have added richness to my work because 
I have grown. I mean, this does not mean to put down a younger author. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. have their own merit. But for me, that is the richness that it has carried into my work. You know, because that's when I've grown and evolved and hopefully matured somewhat. So I, I think each thing has its pros and cons. And like you said, if you want to do something, just do it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah no for sure and like i said uh more power to you and uh, with that we're coming towards the end of this interview and we always end with these last two questions so uh the first one is you know what are your aspirations it's going to be personal professional creative you know just what are things you're looking forward to in the near or even distant future so on the um on the writing front specifically i really want to focus on non-fiction I really want to uh, talk about the kind of stuff uh, that we just spoke about, uh, you know, blending medicine. Intersection of medicine, gender is a very, uh, it's not just interesting for me, now it's a very important space. Uh, because I realize that there is so much out there that needs to change. And I realize that, um, honestly, even within the medical fraternity, there is a lot of um uh, scope for improvement you know and uh, so that's that's very important I, I really want to focus on that I also really want to focus on writing shorter pieces because books have a very long journey and the journey does not always give you the kind of closure that you know you have been wanting and um, I would like to you know focus on shorter pieces in uh, you know maybe even in international pubs non-fiction uh, which you know give me more of an exposure uh, I I hope I can do that at some point uh, on a on all other fronts I think the aim is just not to stagnate uh, you know you're not really to keep growing and I don't mean my waistline only <laughs> the rest so you know to grow and um, to be able to uh, you know, do something slightly better or slightly different than what I was doing earlier. Uh, that is, I think now, now you know, when you when you're mature enough, that is probably the only metric that is left. Uh, all other things don't matter as much. Okay, and finally, um, what is a, a piece of advice or learning that you'd like to share people? This can be something you know you've just kind of experienced, and you're like, I wish more people knew about this. So, on a general note, um, we waste too much time thinking, we waste too much time wondering, we waste, we waste too much time holding ourselves back. If you want to do something, give it a try. I'm not saying it's going to work. Give it a try, come back, it didn't work, we'll try something else. But, you know, the whole, uh, a lot of our unrest comes from that indecisiveness when we're not clear about when we're stopping ourselves from doing what we really want to do. Uh, so I I think that uh, life is truly, truly too short and too effervescent to, you know, spend time doing that. And specifically for writers, like I said, under take some time to understand how publishing works. Take some time to engage with other authors. Don't, uh, everyone has a story. Everyone's story, I'm sure, will be good. But you know, you need to understand how to make yours better and where it fits, where it fits, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you, without that, uh, you cannot be an author, you cannot be a self-published author also without the publishing world. Yeah. 
not publishing there also yeah. right steps remain the same even if you're doing everything yourself unless of course you want to host this big fancy birthday party for yourself and say why i printed out can i bound it that is so take some time to understand how things work um, and uh, you know be be a little patient and be a little um, accommodating of everyone else in the publishing ecosystem uh, so that things start working fitting in better for you that's something that i mean i've seen a lot of people who are writing very well uh, but you know uh, they they've already decided that you know the publishing world is a big bad place and uh, <laughs> like i said all professions have their difficulties so uh, those that's the only advice that i can really think of giving Oh, and on that note we have now come to the end of this interview thank you so much for being here shalini it was lovely talking to you i hope you had fun thank you sangeeta i had a lot of fun it was a pleasure to be here and uh, thank you for letting me share uh, my journey and yes i had a lot of fun recording this with you thank you so that was my conversation with shalini malik It was so much fun talking to her and learning about her journey into medicine and writing. Closing this episode with an excerpt from Shalini's book Stars from the Borderless Sea narrated by her. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next week with a new guest and a new chronicle to share. It's our season finale so be sure to tune in. Talk soon. So uh I'm reading from my book Stars from the Borderless Sea uh, which is a collection of three novella linked stories and the book as some of us know is an exploration of the most universal human emotion that is known to man love so uh, this book is this excerpt is from the first story uh, which is called Sayoni Sayoni is an urdu synonym of the word soulmate uh, so uh, this is a book of uh, this is a story about um, two people who fell in love and stayed in love uh, for as long as they lived every day they would sit with each other catching up on lessons they would linger after the house meeting chatting about their day she would sit beside him her small frame in a pastel colored sari the diamond hoops that encased her earlobes would dance in the sunshine as she gently sipped her tea to the accompaniment of his slurps the clasp of the tiny gold watch she wore would shine on her delicate wrist her tiny hands would push away the wisps of brown hair her eyes with an ocean of kindness in them would look across at him but that day when she had laughed it was different if something could be the summer rain and the warmth of the winter sun at the same time it was her joyous laughter decades later it would continue to echo in his imagination crystal clear sparkling and uplifting that moment he had fallen in love with her he felt as if he had stumbled upon a part of himself a part he hadn't even known was missing as if something he had been yearning for without even being aware of it had homed in and settled irreversibly in his soul tea over they had made their way to their respective classrooms he had taken her hands gently in his gently squeezed those delicate fingers and then released them she had watched him stride off 
towards the laboratory. She knew she would see him again in a few hours, yet she waited until he was out of sight, and then some more. That was when she had fallen in love with him. It felt as if he had taken a piece of her with him, a piece she hadn't known had existed, a piece that had been hidden deep within her, waiting to be found only by him. He had unearthed it and tenderly and lovingly caressed it and walked away with it. It would now forever belong to him.